When you come face to face with the truth, specifically the truth about Jesus, some people believe the truth and receive God's blessings. Others reject the truth even when it's clear to them. While Jesus was on earth, he saw both responses. His reaction to those who rejected him provides a model for you when you face similar situations. Stephen Davey continues the wisdom journey with this lesson he's called, Don't Lose Heart, Don't Lose Sight. As we begin our wisdom journey today, Jesus is he's moving on to Galilee where he grew up as a, as a little boy. In fact, the Apostle John gives us just a hint about this next season in the ministry of Jesus as he writes here now in chapter 4 and verse 44. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. Well, let me tell you, Jesus might have been welcomed in Galilee, but that welcome mat is eventually going to change into a a, a get-out-of-town demand. In fact, Matthew's gospel tells us that Jesus came into Galilee preaching Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark's gospel also records that, that this is Jesus' primary message over in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. You see, he's the king, and he's offering to the nation his kingdom. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and taught in their synagogues. That's Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 15. And now, as you know, we're studying the Gospels chronologically, and what happens first here in Galilee, in this chapter of ministry, is actually recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 4 now, verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, the first thing that strikes you here is that you have this nobleman from the Roman court coming to this this poor carpenter's son, this, this traveling Jewish rabbi. Why? Well, because he believes that Jesus can heal his son, no matter what others are saying about him. This father, frankly, right here is desperate. Let me tell you, when people experience a crisis, they instinctively start praying. I have have never met an atheist in an emergency room. Well, here in this passage, he's about to ask Jesus to heal his son. He's, He's right to do that, by the way. But he's wrong to assume that Jesus has to be physically present to heal his son. He doesn't know that Jesus is actually holding the universe together by his power, as Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17 tells us. But the wonderful thing here is that Jesus accepts anybody who will come to him by faith, even if they don't understand half of what they're asking. So this, this nobleman asked Jesus here now, verse 49 says, "'Sir, come down before my child dies.'" The Greek word here for sir is a title of respect. 
It's addressed to a superior. So he's effectively saying to Jesus, I know you are more than a carpenter turned rabbi. I, I know you have real authority. So Jesus responds in verse 50, go, your son will live. Well, that's it. Jesus doesn't need to go to the nobleman's home. He doesn't even need to touch his son. Just go. Your son is healed. That's all. That's right. Well, don't overlook, by the way, this man's response. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Now, let me tell you, that is faith in action. Now, what what occurs next is amazing. On his way home, the man meets one of his household servants who had run out to tell him that his son had suddenly you know, been healed. Well, they, they talk it through and figure out that the very hour Jesus said the boy would live, the fever had left him. Now, with that, this man and his entire household, we're told here in verse 53, believe in Jesus as their Messiah. Now, with that, Jesus and his disciples leave Cana. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, if we go back there, it tells us that they came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Now, Nazareth is not a big city, by the way. Archaeologists have determined that during Jesus' childhood, uh, Nazareth had a population of around 400 people. Uh, We now know that it was a rather poor village as well. In fact, they've never discovered expensive pottery in Nazareth, just common, ordinary uh, pots and pans made out of clay. Verse 16 continues now by saying, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, the Jewish people loved this particular prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61, and for good reason. It says when the Messiah comes, the anointed one, life's going to get better for everybody. You're going to have freedom, healing from illness. You're going to have liberty politically. I mean, this is one of their favorite passages. But then verse 21 records Jesus' words concerning this passage. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, you could translate this. This scripture has been fulfilled while you've been listening to it. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm it. I'm the anointed one. I am the Messiah, and here I am. Now, when you put Luke's gospel account together with the account in Mark chapter 6, you you see the people's reactions grow very quickly from astonishment to outrage. How could this young man claim to be the Messiah when we watched him grow up? Well, well, they don't believe one word of what he's saying. Jesus quiets down the uproar and adds here in Luke chapter 4 and verse 23, well, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, 
heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, well, do it in your own hometown as well. In other words, Jesus is saying, uh, you all want me to do a miracle for you to prove what I just said, that I'm the Messiah. But instead, Jesus starts talking here in the next few verses about how the prophets Elijah and Elisha were sent to preach to ungodly Gentiles because Israel wouldn't listen to them. Well, let me tell you, these people in Nazareth immediately understood what Jesus was saying. He's saying he's the prophet like Elijah and Elisha. And since they're refusing to believe him, they're just as bad off as those ungodly Gentiles. And let me tell you, with that, a nuclear bomb goes off in the synagogue. Verse 29 says, they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down that cliff. Now, I got to tell you, if I were Jesus, I would have performed a miracle for them right about now, a miracle of judgment. You know, after all, they're trying to throw him off a cliff here. Instead, we're told he just miraculously slipped through that crowd, perhaps becoming invisible. We don't know exactly what he did. But he did just simply disappear and slip away. Now, beloved, I want you to notice what Jesus didn't do. First, he didn't lose control. Verse 30 says, but passing through their midst, he went away. Very simply, he left. He didn't strike back. Well, secondly, I want you to notice that that he didn't lose heart. I mean, think about this. Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully human. This is his hometown. These are his friends he's grown up with. These are his neighbors. And now they want to kill him. Well, Jesus, as a human being, would have been deeply hurt. So look at what he models for us. It's possible to be hurt and not lose heart. Finally, I want to point out that Jesus didn't lose sight. Again, verse 30 tells us he went away. That is, he he pursued the ministry he'd just begun. The tense of the verb means he, he just kept on going. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to get off track. You know, maybe today you're facing rejection Maybe you're facing ridicule from classmates or, or colleagues. Maybe you're married to somebody who doesn't appreciate your love for Christ and, and the church that, that you want to attend uh, even more faithfully. Maybe, maybe you've got family members who think you're, you're crazy, you're a fanatic, you've lost your mind in following Jesus. Well, follow this example. Don't lose control of your emotions. That is, don't strike back. Don't Don't lose heart as you follow the Lord. He was also rejected. And don't lose sight of the truth that you have. You have what the world needs most. Forgiveness, purpose, and at the end, a future in heaven forever. So, beloved, don't lose control, don't lose sight, and don't lose heart. Keep pressing on for the glory of God of God. Well, now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Would you be interested in receiving occasional text messages and updates from Stephen? It's a great way to communicate, and he'd like to be able to text you from time to time. Of course, once you've signed up, you'd be able to send him a text as well. He'd enjoy hearing from you. We have a way for you to add yourself to Stephen's text list. All you have to do is send a text with the word wisdom to this number, 833-676-4051. Again, you just send that one word message, wisdom, to 833-676-4051. You'll get a text right away with any further instructions you need. Stephen won't overwhelm you. He'll just text once or twice a month. But please get signed up and then join us next time on this wisdom journey.